Welcome to Market Talk, presented by Allendale. This is Greg McBride. I am joined, as always, by Michael T. Lung. Mike, as we close out uh, another month here, uh, August uh, coming to a close, start to look towards September. There's a lot going on. We're not necessarily quite to harvest yet. There are some areas of the country that are uh, participating in active harvest, but here in the Midwest, it's not uh, going on yet. What do we have to look forward to going into the month of September? Because it seems like there's a lot of economic stuff and there's a lot of agricultural stuff to talk about. Yeah, so moving into September, you can expect to see more political ads. You can expect a three-day weekend this weekend with Labor Day. You can really, I mean, really what you should be expecting is just continued movement on the political front because you have midterms coming up and that's going to be a big focus which way is it swinging how can we go about passing whichever bills is going to be the highest likelihood of getting reelected and just that where we're at the, a lot of the stuff that we're pushing through is just about uh, uh appeasing the the voter base i think so especially yeah. with all these people going to taiwan like i think that now the representative of arizona is going over there it doesn't make a whole lot of sense of why so many representatives are going to Taiwan besides just the fact of they can come back and say, well, I'm tough on China. Yeah, we're, not really. we just keep pork, poking the, the hornet's nest on that thing. I mean, it just – what do we? What was the, the headline today that we were setting up some sort of an arms deal with, uh, with Taiwan? Um, Taiwan's now – Shooting uh, uh, warning shots at uh, at Chinese drones. Um, that just is not a good situation over there. Um, let's let's move into the agricultural space. Uh, let's talk about um, some of these numbers that we're we're seeing. Allendale obviously releases our uh, yield survey. Uh, results this week. Um, we don't have prior knowledge of it, so we're not going to talk about that. But some of the things that we've seen since the USDA came out with their numbers in August, you've had FSA data for prevent plant and uh, an acreage and failure uh, failure plant. You've had um, estimates for the next WASI report, which I believe is September 12th. Uh, you're starting to see B numbers kind of framing up similar to what the USDA has already said at uh, 51.7, 51.9, maybe a couple up over 52, maybe some closer to that 51 and a half, but not the lower numbers like we were expecting last month. Um, corn, on the other hand, seems like there's a big, a big wave of people really pushing for another solid drop in in yields what where do you where do you think we go from here i think that the b number will continue to be debated until it's actually out of the field i mean the amount of times that it looks one way comes out the exact other is just really incredible so more than likely you're going to see that type of mentality for the bean side of things more of this chop to continue at least until we get to some better knowledge but for corn side of things it just is a situation that continues to get tighter and that's where the big underlying message and feel of this market sitting. We were down today in corn, but grand scheme of things, we weren't really down that much. And to be looking at this thing and saying that 
we really are going one way or another. Well, you have beans that are getting sales right now that typically don't see beans really pick up in sales until we get to the late September, early October timeframe mm-hmm. for corn. It's usually not until the first part of the uh, next year. So to be looking at this and saying anything in regards to um, in regards to really anything less than we continue to have inflation on the table and we continue to have a more bullish tilt to the market is really just unfounded. I mean, it's just a situation that we remain with this very choppy situation. Yeah. We remain at these elevated levels and we still see reason for it. So until you see reason come off the table, it's something that it's going to continue to remain choppy in the year. And I think we talked about this earlier today about how the first half of the year really seems to be more of that trending environment. It seems to be something that we continue to see more of that fundamental. And you can point to something really that makes sense as to why we've moved. But on the back half of the year, it becomes very technical in nature. And you just see a lot of chop while we give a definite answer about what we're going to be seeing for um, – what we're going to be seeing for supply. Yeah. So it, you did mention uh, sales. So we have to, you know, address this uh, now because, um, you know, we've got a massive snafu with the USDA and their reporting of weekly export sales. Last week they were migrating to a new a new reporting system. The numbers that came out were nowhere near what the estimates uh, were. Then they were redacted, not redacted, they were retracted later in the day. Now the USDA, uh, as of last night or first thing this morning, has said we are pulling weekly exports indefinitely. We're, like, what the heck happened? How do we get to this point where we have an old system in place doesn't seem to be broken and now that we the new system doesn't work we can't just fall back on the old system how is this possible yeah i was questioning that as well how do we not be able to just lean back on the old system and go backwards i I can't believe that they would just completely dismantle the old system and just not be able to (laughs) bring it back online and another thing is how come this new system was not developed and ran a couple weeks in a sandbox and if it was how did it go so horribly wrong yeah the very first week it was released and it just seems like i mean i it, i don't think this is the case but it almost seemed like the data just wasn't there anymore it's like where does that go how how do we now have a big gaping hole in the in the data that we had you know there's there's a bean counter or two that you know probably still writing this stuff down i'm sure rich has has active numbers but it's like what where Wow. I mean, uh, I guess we don't want to get too into the government uh, issues, but that one's a that's a major fumble on the uh, on the USDA side of things. Yeah, if they need the numbers from previous years, they can always call me up. I've got them all <laughs> saved on my computer. But yeah, I just I don't know. That's a great question. I wish we could have better statement than just hey we're going to suspend this until we know what's going on and not even not even a our target is it's it's indefinitely there's no target there is no timetable nothing what a what an interesting situation you talking about you know kind of watching the chop in some of these markets and and you know I, i think we're 
we're on the same page with uh, with what we th- are looking at uh, when it comes to the grains. Um, let's look at the energy situation because, as I mentioned this to you, kind of in passing, it's more of, more of not necessarily confusion, but it's like, man, the from the fundamental perspective on the energies, it is hard to tell what what we're going to trade from one day to the next and why what was bullish one day doesn't matter anymore and why it's all of a sudden bearish because we just went through a situation where we we hit a low in the crude market around i think it was 886 dollars in the front month crude then we rallied back up and now today we're down yesterday we were up four dollars today we're down five dollars with respect to that Let's run down, if we can, as many of the situations going on with crude from the Russia-Ukraine situation, the impact on Europe, China's situation with their their drought, and just let's kind of run those run all these things down and see where we can where we come up with all this stuff because I think OPEC is sprinkled in there, U.S. Uh, uh, what the American Petroleum Reserve is is in there, so let's let's chat about that. Where do you want to start? Oh, that's a great question. Let's start with the Middle East and work our way out. Okay. So we got the whole U.S. Iran deal, and it's good one day, blows up the next. Where are we at right now? It was quote unquote approved today, but the approval will be announced within the next two to three weeks. And (laughs) moving from there over to OPEC, them looking at potentially cuts. Yeah, they they have storage issues. They have they have produced so much, and they have they have to the point where what they're too much too much uh, in storage and not enough places to put it at this point. So with that, where is the why are we still up at ninety plus dollars for crude if we have so much in storage? How come none of this is getting out? I it, that's baffling because the demand numbers are supposedly not there. So everything says we should be looking at lower crude. Inflation still plays a role. I would have to assume inflation, you know, worldwide is through the roof. What are we nine or eight point five uh, here in the U.S. last month? We've got another number coming out. Not next week, but the week after. Um, I mean, you've got that. You've got the Chinese uh, production, or not production, but uh, Chinese demand is down significantly. We're back to talking COVID over there and COVID shutdowns. Um, They've got their drought that uh, is uh, weighing on their hydropower uh, situation. So that means that they aren't running manufacturing. So the demand for crude or the demand for diesel or whatever type of energy, if it's liquid natural gas, you name it, is down. Their people are also having to stay home with the zero COVID policy. That means that you don't have the gas demand or the fuel demands like you did. So with all of that, why are we continuing to pull out of our strategic reserves if there's so much sitting out there? And yet we're still, yeah, I don't know, because we're still, we're still pumping here. Now I think we're, we have had some, uh, some leases get pulled here recently. So I don't know. I, to me, 
I look at this market, I feel like we should be headed down. But part of me says we still are just going to play the back and forth game and maybe it's going to be tilted a little bit to the downside, but it's not a free fall situation because we're not in a recession yet. China's not in a recession. The EU's not in a recession. I mean, that's a, that's one we didn't even cover with respect to the energies at this point because that market is insane with – I mean, you've got people like at this point praying for a mild winter because they're not going to be able to heat homes. So do you look at this crude situation saying, okay, we're able to, even though crude absolutely fell apart today, are you able to keep crude up at these elevated levels because natural gas is still holding such an expensive level and because there is a story there? Is that the tide that's rising the rest of the ship? It, I mean, it, it could be. We just hit $10 on, on natural gas the other day. Um, you know, we did take a hit today. All I mean, it was a macro selling day today, but yeah, I mean, it just feels like the the whole situation with energies across Europe, with respect to where they're sourcing energies, whether it's natural gas, whether it's diesel fuel, you know, Arbob or unleaded gas, or or even just raw crude oil, it's they're they're stopped up. And it, so is that the linchpin at this point that they're holding they're holding the, the, the purse or they're holding the they're holding the bag right now for uh, for crude prices or for energy prices in general because it's so pumped up over there because the looking at our natural gas at ten dollars the other day, theirs is like what double or triple? So let's take this view and Bump it back to something you said. You said that China is currently slowing down factory mm-hmm. output, and you're seeing a lot of businesses slow down. You had uh, Alco, Alcoa uh, stop a Nor- – I think it's a Norwegian aluminum plant because po- power costs are too high. So with the power costs where they're currently sitting at and all these companies shutting down because the profit margins just aren't there mm. – is this what leads to the hyperinflative state? We had the first inflative state that happened because of all of these bottlenecks that happened from COVID, and now you're starting to develop, and they're not all the way there quite yet, but you're definitely seeing the beginnings of them that you're seeing businesses slow down, lay people off, close down in some cases, which takes a long time to either open those back up or start a new, in, uh, new business. And do you see these turn into the next inflative state where – Maybe we have everything's continuous stagflation, things are all right, and people are able to start spending money again. But when they do and try buying these products, well, we just don't have the yeah. capacity to meet demand. Makes sense. Yeah. So, so def- it's, it's just a cyclical. I don't. I won't say what I was thinking. Kicking uh, the crash, <laughs> <laughs> something like that. Yeah, um, but it's just a cyclical situation where it just one one problem creates another problem, which is one bearish problem creates another problem, which is bullish, and we just go round and round and round, and that's how we get the volatility in all of our markets. Prices go up because the manufacturing over in China is not keeping up with uh, with what they need to as far as their own supply, and they you know can't keep up with the demand for those those products. Um, 
You know, I mean, you look at look at silver. Silver is a is kind of a, a tweener. It's a it's a an industrial metal. It's also a, a considered a precious metal. That is a huge has huge use in say solar panels, which is a big deal over here. But aren't a lot of those produced over in China? I mean, so you're at that point where it's like one of your major producers is all stopped up. You see, because the you know the silver silver starts to stack up, that price continues to fall off. But yet we see, you know, eventually the price for those solar panels goes up and up and up because they're in they are in demand, but there's they're log jammed, I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah, we've de- you, decreased that aggregate supply of Yeah. You mentioned something today. Um because you work you work in in steel. You trade steel quite a bit. Um building materials. Just uh, like from from a a housing standpoint, we're going to have problems there. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So while watching steel, it's it's starting to dip down into cost productions. You have energy prices that are through the roof. Iron ore prices are still holding pretty firm. So able to produce new steel and smelt it, and especially with the shutdown of the aluminum plant where you have these different alloys that are uh, – combined with the iron ore in order to make steel you're starting to make a lot of these production mills unprofitable so they're slowing down some cases they're shutting down a lot of steel does get produced in china and clearly they're slowing down as well so you get to a point where you've slowed down you've laid off workers you haven't been mining as much or building as much or whatever it may be and you just kind of hit this lull and you're not ready for when that next supply comes through. You're seeing it in lumber right now. You're seeing it with steel prices, and you're stealing it, seeing it with these just raw materials that go into production. So, so we're at a we're at a what could probably be a near term low, short term low. Yeah, or at the very least, it remain at this level to a point that you just really start to kill a lot of a lot of these businesses, which right. then turns to the next stage yeah but yeah you've got lumber that's taken out everything over the last couple of years it's been all over the place yeah. and it's extremely cheap you got steel that's extremely cheap i think it's about a third of what it was at its high and as of right now it's just something that doesn't make feasible sense for these places to be running at full capacity so inventory aggregate supply like we just talked about will be decreased and then when everyone's looking for it well you got to pay up if you want the product because everybody wants it mm-hmm. so may not be this winter it may be next spring and uh summer when you start to look for supplies but you do have this issue right now of a lot of businesses slowing down a lot of businesses cutting workers and at some points just shutting down completely that long term could make for that next very bullish case which may not even be where most years you say, okay, this could affect us in five to seven years, mm. may just be next year. I think we got a very good case looking at what the Fed just said on Friday at Jackson Hole and what happened at the end of the 70s going into the 80s. You have inflation that's running and it's remaining high. You have the Fed that is saying that they need to remain at an aggressive pace. And you have a lot of 
reason to believe that you're going to see large volatility remain in the mix. So we very well may be just entering that time frame of an extended amounts of volatility where it's not one to three years, it's potentially a decade. So we could be looking at record high grain prices over the next year, two years, five years, whatever it is. But at the same time, we could be looking at, and we probably, you know, we've already seen it, we could be looking at record high input costs too, mm-hmm. whether it's the fertilizer or, well, you know, you name it, the chemicals, whatever it is. So, you know, everybody's going to get on farmers about the fact that, oh, you guys make so much money. How, how can you be broke at, at $8 a bushel for corn or $9 a bushel for corn? Well, it costs that much goddamn more to, to, to produce it. You know, we're paying that, they're paying that much more for every single solitary input. And not, not to mention that, but the maintenance to keep up all the, all the equipment finding the parts for the for that equipment it just continues to go up and then on top of that well you know the the repairman needs his his chunk of the the pie too so yeah wow. everything's connected and we may just be entering a new paradigm shift where you saw five dollars six dollars seven dollar corn back in 08 in 2012 and wow that was amazing we just stayed at a suppressed level from like 14 to 20 mm-hmm. and now we're jumping up again but you may not see it come down to the levels we were once at you may see production costs and everything remain elevated from here and then we just take the next step up and we start to move from the next level because while we may see inflation numbers go down, if we're looking at from October of last year, you still had prices pretty high. So if you're looking at year-over-year inflation, that number may be skewed. If we keep prices elevated at this level, we may not see inflation really go down at a long-term basis. But if we're looking at year-over-year inflation and we continue to hold corn at this price, while it's still very expensive, the inflation number is going to show that it's not a huge problem. Yeah. So like 550 corn may be the new 350 corn from a couple of years ago, and, and 950, 1050 beans is now 1250. Mm-hmm. And so on and so forth and and you know you could still see you could see livestock prices you should see livestock prices continue to to do their ramp up uh to follow along with that because it's going to cost more for feed and and all of their inputs and all that stuff. so <laughs> lots of interesting information lots of uh lots of things to ponder as we uh as we move into the uh last two-thirds of the uh, of the uh, year here Definitely. And like Greg said earlier in the podcast, we are going to be releasing our yield survey results Wednesday at 10 a.m. So make sure you check those out. If you guys don't know where to go, that's going to be allendale-inc.com to check it out. Or you can give us a call at 800-2-MARKET. That's 800-262-7538. But today for Allendale Market Talk, this is Mike Lung and Greg McBride signing off. You guys have a great one.